0: to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, August 10th. We are live, sort of, from Lexington, Kentucky for this week's Top Seed Open. We are not yet on site, and there is quite the story behind that reason. Of course, for you Patreon subscribers, you're going to be able to hear that story in our GSP mailbag because it's a doozy, folks. You will enjoy hearing these details. Not going to get into them on today's mini break. Going to offer that as a little bit of a tease, but also an incentive. If you like tennis drama, you're going to like this story. Go subscribe to our Patreon, of course. We are so grateful for all of you who already do. But of course, we are also so excited to be covering all of this action this week in Lexington because this top seed field is stacked. And I know it's a WTA international event, but you look at the players signed up to play this week and they are now all here in Lexington. To be more specific, it's Nicholasville, Kentucky. You're going to hear me vacillate between the two over the course of the next week. It's just on instinct now. This is our third time here as Cracked Rackets. I know it as Nicholasville, I believe, on the uh, WTA website. It says Lexington. Just know that I'm just being a little bit specific, which is what you expect from us here at Cracked Rackets. Nevertheless, uh, you know, talking about the specifics, you look at this field, it's stacked, right? Serena Williams, uh, Arena Sabalenka, Sloan Stevens, Coco Gauff, Amanda Nisimova, CeCe Bellis, Onjabur, Joe Conta. You can go on and on and on. It's going to be such a high level of play. Of course, Bethany Maddox Sands also here. Hopefully, I'll get the chance to actually meet B Dog B-dog in person, get to chat with her a little bit. We'll try and chat with as many of these players as we can throughout the week. Of course, there are so many different protocols put in place to ensure the safety and health of everyone participating in the event, and we completely understand that here at Cracked Rackets. So it's not going to be the sort of you know unlimited access we had in Miami in uh, Lexington last time we were here for the Young King Scholarship Exhibition. Nevertheless, we. We are so excited to be back on site and there's just an energy whether it's in the tournament hotel when you go to get tested for COVID or you know and all the players are back assembled or you go to the tournament grounds you can just tell all of these players so excited to be back on court if what we saw last week in Palermo is any indication we should expect a really high level of play from all of these players who have you know played a couple of exhibitions or played world team tennis and for a lot of them you know they have some match toughness under their belt, but for some of them, they're making their first return to competitive action in five months. And of course, that's always a fascinating thing to see. But in particular, given we are now a week, what, 10 days away from the start of the Western and Southern U.S. Open three-week swing in New York, we're going to learn a lot this week. There are two WTA events, no ATP action, but the fact that we get to see so many top players playing, some of them not going to be making the trip from Europe to the Open, but many of them are. We're going to have a much better assessment about what to expect as we head into the world, uh, you know, the year's second and, you know, maybe only other Grand Slam. There's still so much that can unfold, right? But it's really exciting time to be a tennis fan. Of course, we were all treated to sanctioned Pro Tour's return last week when we got to watch all of the action in Palermo. It was a fantastic event. So many players in the field playing their best tennis. Really, Consistently throughout the week, and we didn't see the sort of nagging injuries or withdrawals from matches that maybe you'd expect after such a long layoff. That's a testament to all of the work these players have been putting in. And you know, they deserve a little bit of credit for that because certainly there was some incentive. You look at our Crack Racket CEO Dalton Thieneman, who's in the background as I'm recording this pod. You know, quarantine was not kind to him. Certainly won too many trips to the fridge. He's not the tennis player he was five months ago. He's smiling and shaking his head in agreement. I'll take that as a tacit confirmation. Uh, But for a lot of these players, you know, and we've talked about it a lot with our guests of late. To to be successful in modern-day tennis because of how physical the game has become, you just have to be in shape 365 days a year. You can't—you know, all these players can afford a cheat day or, you know, a week off from tennis, but you have to be thinking about staying in shape. You can't go overboard. You can't take a month of just, you know, no touching a racket, no touching ball. Maybe you can if you're Roger Federer, but for the majority of these players working their way up the rankings or trying to stay near the top, there's a lot of hard work that goes into that, and certainly from what we've seen thus far, from what we saw throughout the exhibition season, uh, these players have been putting in that work. So really excited for this week of tennis. I want to recap what we saw in Palermo and then preview the action uh, across the globe today in both Prague and here in Lexington. Of course, the reason we are able to do that day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast is because of the support we get from our sponsors. And you know the mentality I've been going with here at Crack Rackets. We say all the time. To succeed in tennis, you got to look good, you got to feel good, and then you're finally going to play good. Well, that's where our sponsors come in. And of course, for the look good part of that equation, you turn to our friends at Midwest Sports because for more than 30 years, they've served as one of the world's leading suppliers of all tennis equipment by offering a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. They also have one of the largest in stock inventories of equipment online with tens of thousands of products. Ten of thousands, so think about that, your Dunlops, your Yonics, your Wilsons, your Heads, your Nikes, your Adidas, any permutation you can think of of tennis clothing combinations, they've got it available for you on your website, and I said this on Friday, I'm not a collared shirt guy, it's just not for me, a little bit too preppy, maybe I just have a sensitive neck, I am Ashkenazi, we tend to run more sensitive with our necks, uh, but you know, it's just not for me, maybe that's for you, you can find that option, I was never a driver. I fit guy and this is going to get a little graphic, but it's because I have the propensity. My nipples just chafe. They just do. It's a reality I live with. I could never go dry fit. It would just get too uncomfortable. But if you want that, they've got that. You like cotton tees. You like shorts, shoes, every combination available. Or maybe, again, you don't know what you need. Well, thankfully, that's where the well-trained staff at Midwest Sports come in as they are intimately familiar with all equipment and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. You can find all of these products by going to their website, midwestsports.com. Once you're there, you're going to want to update your gear. Just know that when you do, you can save 15% by using our promo code cr 15 You'll also get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, to ensure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a successful one, Midwest Sports also throwing in a free can of Wilson extra duty tennis balls. Again, Midwest Sports wants to make sure you're doing everything you can to be put in a position to succeed on the court. So go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, let them know we sent you there. All right, we're going to look good after Midwest Sports. How do we feel good? where does that come in? Well, that's about nutrition, right? Making sure your nutrition is well, your fitness is in the right sort of place so that you can succeed on the court. And that's where our friends at Aero Bar come in by offering the only tennis specific energy bar in the business. And it's just good stuff, folks. More potassium than a banana, but more importantly, the sort of ingredients you can be comfortable putting into your body. There's no fake sugars. It's not, you know, a false advertisement of, hey, this is a pseudo energy bar. And then you taste it and you're like, is this candy? Am I eating a reset? And then I look down and I'm like, oh, it's because I actually am eating a Reese. Uh, but you know, that's so often the feeling you get with these energy bars. Now, with Aerobar, it's going to maintain that delicious taste, but you're going to know it's the right sort of stuff because that's the sort of care Aerobar puts into their products. Go to their website, aerobar.com, order yourself up a case of delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, or chocolate chip bars. And Use our promo code, CRACKED15. You'll get 15% off. And again, once you make the switch, you're not going to go any other direction. It's been my breakfast on the road. Each and every time we take one of these trips for Cracked Rackets, it can be yours as well. AeroBar.com. The promo code is CRACKED15. Now. Before we preview this week's action, I want to do a quick recap of what we saw last weekend. And again, to our Patreon subscribers, I there was a Saturday mini-break where I broke down the quarterfinal matches. Not going to do that on today's podcast because I talked about those at length there. Just a recap in case you left us off on Friday. During those quarterfinal matches, we saw Camilla Georgie knock off Diana Yastremska and also ruin my GSP Ace of the Day after Yastremska had multiple match points in that second set, needless to say, I am still salty. Uh, but go watch those YouTube highlights because that was just a display of power hitting. And, you know, I made a comment, I think, on Friday's mini break. So just to follow up on that, I said, you know, Yastremska, given the sort of athlete she is, given the sort of ball striker she is, I, and I maintain this stance, you know, it's not, uh, in my opinion, if she wins a Grand Slam, it's going to be win because the twenty-year-old Ukrainian to be have as much success as she has by the age of what she just turned twenty or a couple of months ago, and she's already won WTA finals. She's already made a couple of finals as well, had success at Grand Slams. Uh, again, I, I think for her, it's a matter of shot selection. It's a matter of you know picking her spots a little bit better and. If that's the thing you have to improve when you're 19 or 20 years old, that means you're, everything else in your tennis game is going really well. And so, again, I'm very confident about her future. But it was a really good win from Georgie, who when she looks good, she arguably, you're like, is this the best player in tennis? Like, am I watching the next Serena Williams? Is this player about to win eight straight grand slams and just rip forehand and backhand winners from every corner of the court. Um, Now, you know, there are some serving issues for Georgie. the, The pop isn't there the way it is on the ground strokes, but, and I mentioned this last week, she has I mean, she used this quarantine well. She's clearly as fit as she can be. She's healthy, finally. And she's playing really good tennis, or at least she played really good tennis this week in Palermo, knocking off Jastrzemska. Uh, I spent so much time talking about Conteve and Martic last week. I will talk about their semi. I will simply say Conteve, a three set winner over Elisabetta Cocciaretto. For Cocciaretto, the young Italian, really equated herself well this week. It was her first WTA, or first time she reached a WTA international quarterfinal. You know, she just moves really well on the clay. She changes directions well, absorbs pace, but she didn't really have a way to hurt Conteve. And for Coach that's what you're looking for because in the modern game, and I thought Coach moved really well on the clay. It's so clear how natural she is. I say this all the time. She's the sort of player that slides into shots, not a slide recovery out of the shot. Uh, But for Coach you know, She changes directions well. She picks her spots well. And in that second set, she was hitting so many winners down the line, taking balls early. But that's having to play with really thin margins, and in the end, Conteve just sort of able to hit her off the court. I think for Coach Areto, it's developing that weapon, a, a way to make points a little bit easier for herself, um, but a really talented young Italian who I believe is right around the 150 now uh, in the WTA live rankings. Let's see, Coach Areto with this result, new career high, 144 for the 19-year-old Italian. So again young up-and-coming player. I'm not saying she's got the upside of, you know, a young 20-year-old like Yastremska, but throw her on the list of talented players making their way up the WTA ranking. So that was a win for Kontave. For Petra Martic, 6-6 six and six over Sasanovic. I sent out, I think, multiple tweets this weekend just... Uh, you know, ogling at the Petra Martic backhand slice, the variety she's able to play with, the various angles, spins, she can take balls early, create great depth for herself, doesn't have that overwhelming pace that we see of people like Sabalenka, Serena, and all these others, but a great win for her, 6-6 six and six over Sasnovich. She was serving for that second set, I believe got broken, but able to come back in the quarter final, and then, you know, the other winner of uh, her quarter final match, and we're about to talk about her quite a bit. Fiona Farah, who then goes to the semifinals, knocks off Camilla Jorji 266275. The 23-year-old French woman is an absolute stud, and if you don't know Fiona Farah's name yet, I promise you, you will soon, because you look for the 23-year-old now. First WTA title for her, I believe. No, second WTA title for her now. She won her first back in July last year uh, at the Swiss Open on clay. Here, she ends up winning in Palermo over at Conteve. Spoiler alert, I apologize. Uh, But for Fiona Farrow, it's the combination of things she's able to do outstanding ball strikers. I mean, so many of these pro players are. I feel like that's a common thread here. Uh, but someone who just, the natural pop, she can have both sides, forehand, backhand. She moves extraordinarily well. So fluid around the court. Another player sliding into shots, but, you know, in my opinion, a quicker first step than someone like Coach Eretto. Just someone who can turn defense into offense, who, when you're playing someone like Camila Georgie, and we saw this in the first set, I think Fiona Farrow was a little bit tentative in that first set. That she, you know, wasn't playing for her. She was playing more survival. She was saying, okay, there's no way Georgie can keep playing this powerful uh, across the course of the match. She's just going to have to end up hitting some, some errors. She's going to make errors. And, you know, Georgie, of course, does give away a few free points here and there. But, you know, in the first set, she was just too tentative. And Georgie took advantage of that. She played outstanding tennis herself. And she took it to her. You know, in that first set, Georgie won seventy six percent of her first serve points, but more importantly she holds Pharaoh uh, to eleven of twenty seven on pharaoh 's own service points and just was all over her three of uh, you know uh, i think three of four on break points just you know outstanding first set from Georgie but then Pharaoh adjusted. She started going for her shots a little bit more. She really stepped up on her service return, you know, used that Georgie second serve. You know, as I mentioned, Georgie in the first set wins 77% of her first serve points, 46% of her second serve points. Set number two, those numbers are 55% of the first serve, 31% of the second serve. She goes 10 of 24 on service points in the set. You know, Pharaoh's ability to and, again, just do a little bit of everything. Take balls down the line. Go short, angle, cross court. Pass when she's on the run. You know, move forward as well. And, you know, I don't think her backswings are that big either. Now, I will say I think she can be overwhelmed with pace. I think there were times her forehand just, you know, it, there were shank errors when Georgie just would produce the sort of depth and pace that you see from players. Again, sorry to keep going back to this well, but like the Osaka's and the Andrescus and the... Uh, Uh, Sabalankas of the world, I think, have a little more natural pop than Fiona Farrow. But Fiona Farrow can move. She's fluid. I would say reminds me a lot of, I mean, this is high praise, but it's very similar to the way a Nishikori plays around the court. Certainly, he can scrap around, play some defense, but he's at his best when he's exploding into the ball, using his speed to take shots early. That's Fiona Farrow, who, again, performed outstandingly well. 2-6, 6-2, 7-5. She advances over Georgie in the semifinals, and she matched up with Annette Conteve, who just too much power, too much everything, really, in her match against Petra Martic. And Petra Martic looked gassed. Martic played quite the week last week you Know multiple three set matches that one against Sasnovich, six and six. You can pretty much equate that to a three set match, just didn't have the juice really off to take on Annette Conteve. Didn't have the pace, and you know, Conteve did a really good job targeting that Petra Martic forehand. If you've watched a lot of Petra Martic, you know, it's a big backswing, and so you know, you can produce more errors if you consistently go to that side with pace depth. And that's what Conteve was able to do, just played a really smart match to reach another final where she took on Fiona Farrow and guess what folks it was all Fiona Farrow in that final she knocks off uh, Annette Conteve here 6-2 7-5 and it's interesting because Conteve actually did break and serve for that second set Uh, Conteve I believe was up 5-3 serving for the set and just unfortunately you know uh, wasn't able to come through but Fiona Farrow again it's the fact that she was able and we talked about this a lot last week if you can extend Annette Conteve to the outer thirds if you can keep her moving and you don't let her get set, you don't let her work into her patterns, you know, use her forehand to move you around the court, you can definitely – beat her. You can get into the match. Now, that's a very difficult thing to do, but Fiona Farrow had that sort of athleticism to pull it off, and you look at the stats, she just played a really smart match. Now, didn't serve that great, only made 52% of her first serves, but 165% of those first serve points, 154% of her second serve points. More importantly, she jumped on the Annette Conteve serve. As I mentioned, she played first strike tennis. She got Conteve moving into the outer third or, you know, hitting shots behind Conteve, which Farrow did pretty frequently as well. She just took control of points, and, you know, she's, she breaks Conteve five times on seven chances. Conteve had six chances, was only able to execute two of them, uh, but it was a really just a well-rounded match from Fiona Farrow. And again, This was the theme of last week. It's why I'm so excited for the next 10 years of WTA Tennis. Fiona Farrow with this win, the 23-year-old French woman, inside the top 50 for the first time in her career, all the way up to a career high of number 44. And again... 23 years old for her. So you look at the under 24 rankings right now, you get all the players under 24. Where does Fiona Ferro rank? Fiona Ferro right now, the 13th highest ranked under 24 year old on the WTA at number 44. And you look at the players ahead of her, you know, Ostapenko, Grand Slam champion. Uh, people like Osaka, Andrescu, Kennan, Grand Slam champion. Certainly, you know, Chich, Sabalenka have proven a little bit more, but the Mukovas, the Vandrusovas, Yastremskas, Anisimovas, Kuder of the world. That's who Pharaoh's ranked alongside of and justifiably so. She's that sort of talent. And in case you don't know about Fiona Farrow, again, the incredibly talented French woman was national junior champion of France uh, throughout her time. She was at an ITF career uh, junior combined ranking of world number 27 in 2013, which isn't outstanding. But, you know, for her, again, it's just been a slow ascension up the rankings. You know, she ended last uh, the 2018 season at 102. Last year was the first season she played all for Grand Slam. She ended it at 63, 16, and 17 on the year in WTA international or higher level matches, and she continues to get better and better, and so Fiona Farrow, big winner for me this week in terms of just how impressed I was. You know, certainly I, w- I look forward to seeing her on the hard court. She's had success on all of the surfaces really uh, early in her career. Hasn't played much on grass, but a game that's very translatable across surfaces, and You know, do I expect her to win a Grand Slam this year? No, absolutely not. And I still need to see a little more to put her in future Grand Slam sort of territory. Uh, But I have seen enough to say no one should be surprised if she makes the second week of a of a French Open if it happens in 2020. She's that sort of talent on clay and just so explosive, so much variety. I was really impressed with Fiona Fair. I was also really impressed with Annette Conteve who played really well all week. Uh, You know, didn't even play that poorly in the final, just couldn't do anything with the serve. But, you know, for Fiona, Annette Conteve, again, with her result this week, by the way, Conteve moving up, I believe, inside the top 20, if not at number 20 right now, Annette Conteve currently sitting at number 20. That's six off her career high. She's well positioned for a deep run at every, you know, I think at every major she plays. She's one of those talents who you talk about players who are who's capable of making the quarterfinals. That list can be 32 names, but she is certainly one of them. And you know, I guess top 32. Now that I say that out loud, hey, great shot to me. That doesn't seem like that great in terms of what she's trying to accomplish, but she is really a spectacular talent. And so it was a really fun week in Palermo. And, you know, they did have a crowd there. Did that make me the most comfortable? No. And there were some things early on in the week where they were talking about, you know, players were able to go out on the town, players were able to go out and do all of these things and you know, I you hear things about what's going on here in Lexington and I'm not ready to talk about them yet on the pod, but certainly we will talk about them later in the week. Um, I just thought it was a really well-run event, you know, the testing that was put in place. It it sounds for now, knock on wood, there were no positive cases resulting from it. Of course, we still don't know exactly what's going on, but it just continues to create... And I don't know if this is a good thing or not. Do we want to create the illusion that life can return to normal when, in fact, the majority of us don't have access to the sort of testing and tracing that all of these tournaments have? Uh, That's a fair argument if you want to make it, but... It, it's quite clear, whether it be World Team Tennis, whether it be NBA, whether it be all these various sports, that tennis can return safely uh, if proper safety and health precautions are taken. And it was great to see Palermo you know, attempt to do that. It certainly seemed to succeed. Uh, that's something I know all of us can be really excited about as we look forward to the rest of the ATP and WTA's planned return during this 2020 calendar year. And that gets me to our next topic. Of course, I want to talk a little bit about the action that we are going to be seeing this week. If you want to hear about Monday's action in particular, of course, I will encourage you to turn to our GSP Ace of the Day where we look at all the action with our friends at DraftKings. Try to provide you some advice on how we think things are going to go down. Of course, I will say this. I was one point away from hitting another Yastremska kantove parlay on Friday. I know it lost, and you know ifs and buts don't really matter, right? One point close is still a one-point loss. But I'm thinking we're starting to get our rhythm. I'm starting to feel more and more confident with that segment. So be sure to go check that out on the GSP feed. Also be sure to go check out the Great Shot podcast I just did uh, with uh, you know our friend of the show, Cast Tennis Academy's. Former Michigan, uh, University of Michigan All-American Dave Cass joins me to talk about New York, to talk about the feasibility of the bubble, the level of play. We expect to see some of the young up-and-comers we might see thrive under these circumstances. It's a really great conversation I know all of you will enjoy. But with that in mind, again, let's talk a little bit about this week's action. And again, are we on the grounds yet at top seed? No, unfortunately, we are not there this morning. But we will be live on the Tennis One app doing the play-by-play for these events. Myself, uh, Luke Jensen of the New York Empire, former pro tennis players, former pro tennis stud as well, going to be joining me on the call. But you look at this draw here this weekend in Lexington, it's stacked. There's just no other way to describe it. And you even look at qualifying, right? Leila Fernandez four and one over Zara Zua. I believe that was a semifinal match, right? When we left things off. Um, and they played in Mexico. Now, or at least they were both semi-finalists or better at that event. Fernandez, a winner. You know, Robin Anderson, the former UCLA standout, knocked out Ann Lee. Bethany Maddox-Sands, B-Dog, a win over Vera Lepchenko, Kalen Kalinskaya, Arcanada, Jamie Loeb, Goverstova, Di Lorenzo, Christian Dal hadjovic all the winners from day one in qualifying. And again... That's qualifying. Let's start to get into the main draw, and you look at the top four. That's the headline, right? And I think I read a stat, something like, tw- what was it, 40% of all majors won since the start of this century, so since the start of the 2000 season, belong to the uh, three of the four players in this top quartet. Serena Williams taking on Bernarda Pera round one, the winner of that match, playing the winner of Venus versus Vika Azarenka in round two. I mean... Do I even need to say anything else? If at this point you don't see the appeal of a venus Serena matchup or a Serena-Azarenka matchup, honestly, Bernardo Pera played really well during the World Team Tennis season, so if she knocks off Serena, she's obviously played more recently competitively in this environment than Serena, not counting out Serena, but I'm just saying it's a five-month layoff. It doesn't get any easier when you're 38 than when, it, when you were 32, but it's a really fun matchup up there. Of course, you start to filter through the draw those who I suppose are more uh, attached to an earlier generation of tennis players, that as the rank of Venus 1 stands out, for me, the headline match, without question, from the first round, is going to be the Battle of Young Americans, Amanda Anisimova versus CC Bellis, and, you know, Amanda Anisimova making a semifinal and then a quarterfinal of two majors, that's obviously, you know, her 2019 was ridiculous. But if you go back to 2015, 16, 17, before there was Goff, before there was Anissa before there was Kennan, there was CeCe Bellis. She was the player to beat, the rising star in women's Amer- American women's tennis and She's still got that sort of talent. Now, obviously, 24 months of wrist injuries is going to change anyone, but we got the chance to see her here when we were uh, over July 4th weekend for that exhibition. She finally looked healthy. She played some really good tennis, went 2-1 and on the weekend. I I think this is going to be a battle, folks, and I am locked in for that one. Certainly, Anissa Mova, the heavier hitter, the one who's going to probably dictate the terms of this match, but... I don't know if there's a quicker player on the WTA tour than CC Bellis. I think it's a really interesting contrast in styles. I think it's again it's 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 going to be a battle, right? First match back, both of these players eager to return to competition. It's going to be a fun one, folks. It's a stay away for me. Too emotionally invested in both of these players. Never gamble on a match you're too emotionally invested in because if you lose, you're just crushed. Um, I guess that's more GSP ace of the day advice. But, you know, again, that's a really fun one. And there are a ton of fun matches on the schedule for day one. You know, Katie McNally versus Own Jabur. Own probably one of the five best best players. Uh, I mean, let's look at the live ratings in the race to Shenzhen when we left off because Ons Jabeur had put up some amazing results and in fact, you look at where she was. Okay, I may have overrated. No, no, no. Number 12 in the WTA race to Shenzhen. So, she had accumulated the 12th most points through, you know, the first Two months of the season and that came a lot off of her Australian open results but she was spectacular she backed it up in the 25 year old now returning to play against Katie McNally who knows these top seed courts quite well uh, sort of the hometown player I suppose even Cincinnati not too far away from us here in Lexington Uh, that's going to be a battle really looking forward to that one two power players and you know it seems like with the weather that we're having here there's a I would say 50-50 chance we go indoors. Uh, certainly at some point this week, matches are going to be played indoors, in my opinion. And, you know, if that match goes indoors, woo. That's going to be some hard hitting. So that will be really fun. Of course, again, you start to look through the rest of today's matches. You've got uh, people such as, I believe, Madison Brangle taking on uh, Arena Sabalenka, Buzkova versus Kanta. Uh, you know, uh, a couple of qualifying matches as well. But Brady Watson, Pegula versus Ivana Uh it It's going to be a really fun matches of main draw. And again, I just want to remind all of you, you can watch the matches alongside of us here. Our Cracked Rackets team myself going to be joined by Luke. Jensen. I'm sure at some point I will drag Dalton and West off into the feed as well uh, we're going to be following all of the action calling it on the tennis one crowdview one uh, I suppose crowdview one application I, I again the nomenclature unclear to me but on the tennis one app through the crowdview one platform that's the word I was looking for uh, it's going to be a really fun day so be sure to go follow along with us that's not the only event though right we've also got the action going on in Prague and we had a couple of people withdraw. Diana Yastremska the first dental withdrawal I've ever seen in a professional tennis tournament, just citing a dental issue, so she's out. But players like Simona Halep, who's got a really interesting 1st round match against Herzog, by the way, uh, are in the play. Anastasia Pavelchenkova, Fiona Farrow, supposed to play again this week. Jeannie Bouchard, already a winner here this morning. Camilla Georgie, Elise Mertens, Ekaterina Alexandrova, Petra Martich, all in play it's, it's going to be a spectacular event and again uh, they're still rounding up some qualifying matches today I believe there are a couple first round. I think a match was suspended I believe it's raining now in Prague as well that's just as a theme I guess right now around the world uh, they don't want to see two events going at the same time can I just also say it's kind of nice to be like oh a rain delay I remember that feeling. Remember when the world was normal, and you thought, ugh, is the rain going to delay my viewing? Am I going to have to come back and finish this match from, like, 1 a.m. to 3 a.m.? And, ugh those were the days, folks. Those were the days. Nevertheless, we are so excited again uh, to be in Kentucky this week. We will try our best to speak with as many players on the grounds because we're just as curious as everyone. How are people feeling heading into the U.S. Open and you know heading into really this three-week stretch in New York? How comfortable are people feeling, of course? How comfortable are those people who are going to head to Europe to play the Challengers as well or whatever sort of events they want to just to try and squeeze in as many sanctioned tour-level events as they can throughout these last, you know, salvage the 2020 season? Uh, How comfortable are they feeling in doing that? It's going to be a really interesting question, and so we will try to speak with as many players, people on the ground as we can. I will, of course, recommend that all of you listeners go check out some of the conversations we've had across our various podcasts uh, with many players throughout the course of these past few months. You know, you want to hear from a college perspective People like Alexa Graham, Ashley Leahy, Will Blumberg, Alexis Gallardo, Andrew Fenty, Jada Hart you know, younger than that, Elliot Spaziri, Brianna Schvets, we've gotten to speak with so many great people, Billy Pate, Trip Phillips, uh, in terms of coaches we've spoken to as well. And then, you know, in terms of the pro tennis uh, names, we've gotten the chance to speak with 14 of the 16 who are in Miami or here in Nicholasville on July 4th weekend for those EXOs. You can find all those interviews on our YouTube channel, so just go mash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our new content. Of course, Super Producer Daniel West off killing it on there. Really is the busiest man in all of tennis. He never gets any time off. He's working that season full time, so shout out to him. Um, a couple, just, you know, quick things uh, from this weekend, I suppose, from the professional tennis world. Again, we learn more and more about uh, the players who continue to withdraw from this event, uh, from the three week bubble, I should say, in New York, who aren't feeling comfortable. We continue to, uh, what continues to become clearer and clearer, and this shouldn't be new to any of you cracked rackets fans. The biggest obstacle uh, from the U.S. Open getting all of the top players will be if those top players then have to quarantine uh, before they head to Europe to play the remainder of the clay season and you know the French Open. If they do, that's going to be tricky because there are more events available on clay this year and in Europe than there are during this three-week stretch in North America, particularly for the men. Um, But it's just an interesting story to continue to monitor. And I will once again plug the GSP I did today with Dave Cass because we get all into the U.S. Open, the bubble, the protocols in place, how comfortable everyone should be feeling about them. Uh, It's a really fun conversation. So I highly encourage all of you uh, to go check them out. But, yeah, again, we're in a holding pattern here. Pro Tennis has returned tentatively. Oh, There was also the waiver uh, that the U.S. Open is making all the players sign. It made the rounds on Tennis Twitter yesterday. You know, it was clarified by a lot of people involved in the game that uh, these waivers are, you you sign them at every event you play. Now, of course, to sign a waiver, uh, signing away your right to sue the tournament in the midst of a global pandemic, Uh, a little bit different than the normal waiver you sign, of course, but... I don't have a vehement reaction one way or the other. It's insensitive. Is it insensitive in the moment? Of course it is. But what do you expect? These tournaments are businesses. They're going to be run as businesses. They need to protect themselves from liability. Players know what they're getting into as well. There is an inherent risk in stepping onto the court and traveling from your home country to New York, wherever that home country may be. Even within America, traveling to New York is inherently putting yourself at risk. Certainly the testing tracing protocol put in place by the U.S. Open, you know, more safe than probably. You don't have a testing and tracing protocol. Maybe you do, again not to be too American perspective here. Um, we don't have the adequate testing and tracing, but maybe other countries do. Nevertheless, it's to say, at least by coming to New York and playing in this three-week bubble, you will consistently have access to that sort of testing and tracing and so I said, you know, again, that that's my reaction to this waiver is what did you expect? And if you expected anything else from uh, a professional event, you're lying to yourself. And, you know, even coming here to Nicholasville to Topsy to do uh, any media, we have to sign a waiver. Of course we do. And we expected to. And so I don't know. I don't have a strong reaction one way or the other. This is not a topic, I should say, that is going to grind my gears at least moving forward. But again, we're going to be grinding our gears all week long here as we rock and roll in Nicholasville. Hopefully, hopefully, things will be cleared up and we will be on site as soon as today. But if we are not, look forward to these daily action recapping everything that's going on here at Top Seed. And one more time, be sure to check out our play by play call on the Tennis One app. Myself, Luke Jensen, today. We're going to have some other really cool guests throughout the week as well. And speaking of cool guests, I mean, he's not a guest, but man, is he cool. Our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, as always, has a of an editing job to do day in day out the man puts his head down he grinds and that's what we love to see from him and that's a guy talk about a guy who looks good and feels good always looking good always feels good that's why he's always playing good and of course you can look good feel good your best on the court as well by turning to our friends at midwest sports and Aerobar. bar go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 aerobarcom the promo code is cracked 15 uh, and again we just want everyone to when they return to the court to have the best possible experience so Midwest Sports Aero Bar and shout out to them for their continued support but with that being said for our wonderful friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar our super producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll see you all tomorrow thanks everyone